Let's ride. And we're underway. Uh, Christine Summer and Alicia Washington, uh, also founders of the 15s Foundation. Uh, really excited to talk about their awesome uh, work they've been putting in um, to help fund uh, the women's game um, and provide better opportunities and pathways to the international level. And that notion that you can grow a sport without the women and without treating women equally um, is is not going to happen. The point time of like how much we have to do as players to keep a platform to keep us like in existence. Just growing up, like if you're going to present a problem, then you better be the chairperson of the committee that's working to solve that problem. But the outcome that we're seeing as far as support from the rugby community or just people at the at-large community say like the mags is tenfold. Like I think all we needed to do was provide the opportunity for people to support and for people to buy into the players. And as soon as we did that, the return was amazing. All right, welcome back Free Jacks to uh, the fourth episode of Pathways. Uh, in today's instalment, we're very lucky to have superstars of the 15s uh, national game for USA Rugby, uh, Christine Summer and Alicia Washington, uh, also founders of the 15s Foundation. Uh, really excited to talk about the awesome uh, work they've been putting in um, to help fund uh, the women's game um, and provide better opportunities and pathways to the international level, um, as well as their awesome uh, stories. So instead of me butchering the introduction, I'm going to let them both take over and, and introduce themselves. So starting with Alicia, if you want to take it away. Uh, sure. Hey, uh, I'm Alicia Washington. Um, currently riding out uh, quarantine isolation in Connecticut. Um, and this is right nearby where I play club for New York Rugby Club. And, uh, you know, when sevens was a thing, uh, sevens with Scion. Um, do a fair bit of coaching, refing, uh, and now, as you said, starting up the 15s Foundation um, with Christine, and I've been with the USA Women's National 15s team since 2015. Awesome, and Christine, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Seattle, Washington. My name's Christine Summer. Um, sadly, I'm not playing sevens with Washington Athletic Club, although I wouldn't have been playing because we had so many competitions scheduled, but it's the only time in the year we have consistent sun in Seattle. So it's quite sad. Um, but yeah, I play with the with Seattle Rugby, formerly known as Seattle Saracens. Uh, I've been in and out of USA Rugby, officially was captain in 2016 under the Seven Series. Um, mostly just spending COVID here in Seattle with trips back and forth to California to see some family. I've been working remote since March. Um, my real day job is is business development and sales for a water treatment company up north in Everett. So I think with XV Foundation, Alicia and I have added a third job um, to our resume. So it's been quite exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, anything else you wanna know, that's the boilerplate. Uh, no, fantastic. And obviously both amazing ambassadors for the game and are definitely going above and beyond to support the endeavors of USA Rugby um, as a whole. And uh, if we talk about caps, Alicia, you've got 22 caps and Christine, 13 for the 15s code. Tell us a little bit about your journey to getting into USA Rugby, your first cap and kind of your story uh, as an international rugby player. Um, well, I've been in the pathway uh, since I think I was 18. Uh, I spent some time with the U20s. 
um, in that program, uh, time with the All-Americans, and then I uh, went to the Midwest for grad school. I went to the Ohio State for uh, my master's in sport management. Um, spent two years on the Midwest U23s, which again, awesome experience. Uh, took me to Wales for the first time, like really opened up my love of rugby and like just seeing the world through it. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's like starting, a, you're starting a new career after grad school. You're just sort of getting involved in, uh, you know, like the career part of it, which I think takes up a lot of time. So I was just playing D2 club for a little while. And then I went to uh, well, what was then a Serebi camp, now an Atavis camp. Um, and uh, Martha Danes, who's like, I think one of my heroes in within rugby, because she was like, yeah, I think you deserve an uh, invite to this next camp coming up. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, then went down uh, to JMU for the camp and, uh, got pulled aside by Coach Steinberg at the time and was like, so you're in consideration for uh, this tour, are you available? And I didn't even need to know the dates. I was like, yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm available. There's no way I'm saying no to this. Um, and then, yeah, I went to my first Super Series and I was like way in over my head, like really hadn't, like you don't, you don't realize how fast the game is until your first cap is against England. Um, and then your third cap is against New Zealand. And I was like, I, you know, felt in no way prepared. Uh, and so I was like, you know, I'm gonna dedicate myself to be more prepared every time I get called back. So got on a workout plan, a, uh, a skills plan. And yeah, that, that was, I can't believe that was five years ago, but it, it feels like yesterday at some point. Oh, that, that is awesome. And I'm sure, uh, Christine, you can probably testify to uh, what tough opposition England must be. Um, obviously you've played over there a bit a fair bit and uh, are familiar with sort of how professional the game is over there. Um, and perhaps you can sort of elaborate on that as well as telling us your story to the, to the USA national team as well. Yeah, my, my journey and trajectory was a, a little similar to Alicia's. Um, I, it took me a while to understand there was even a national team because I wanted to be a national soccer player. Um, so as soon as I knew that, that was definitely my next goal. Um, I played four years at UC Santa Barbara and then ended up moving to Seattle because it was just a part of my life that I needed to change um, and get out of California for a bit. So I literally Googled rugby and Emerald City Mud Hens came up. So I played a couple years at Division Two. I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. Um, actually ended up moving to the Seattle Saracens at that time in 2014 when they officially became affiliated with London Saracens. So that was my first kind of introduction to, oh, there's rugby in the UK. That's kind of cool. Um, played with them and started to go to these Eagle training camps in 2014 that were small regional camps. Um, that's when I was first introduced to Liz Kirk, who was our 2017 forwards coach. And she was also a nutritionist then. Um, so I, I remember, I remember then, cause I was like maybe 23, 22, uh, hearing players like Sharon Blaney talk about creatine. And I was like, man, she must be really old to be taking creatine. Uh, that's us now. That's us now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's talking about all these different nutrition plans and like different supplements. And I was like, man, I just like eat well, I guess. Ugh, so insane. Um, but yeah, I got invited to my first sevens. Well, I've, been, I've been invited to 15s camps, but I wasn't selected. I was at that JMU camp, and I remember seeing everyone leave with their luggage, just being like, there goes another one. <laughs> Guess I'm off uh, 
make the next one. Um, but surprisingly, like after that sevens season in 2016, I got invited to a sevens camp. Like it totally caught me off guard. And the invite actually came when I was in Costa Rica on vacation. So it went from like drinking Mai Tais and Pina Coladas to, to trying to run sprints on sand. So it was such a nice change. Uh, just the worst thing ever. Just the worst thing ever coming on vacation. Best vacation I've had in a long time. Um, but came back to that and actually went to that camp, like, just what's the worst that can happen? Like, I don't get selected. And then I got selected to go to Dubai. So that was my introduction to international rugby. I only played, you know, tops 30 seconds a game at the end of the game. And again, like Alicia said, so fast paced. Like, I played sevens a few years, but man, there that definitely multiple times where I didn't do a thing. Like, like I didn't touch the ball. I was just in there. The game was over. So that was my exposure. But after that, I think I like my mindset kind of changed and I was a bit more involved on the international side with USA Rugby, maybe because I had a cap and I was a bit more confident. Um, so I didn't have a lot of caps prior to 2017 World Cup. I got one cap in Can-Ams before we left to go to Ireland, which was kind of insane. But that gave me the opportunity to go to play with London Harlequins. So I met with the coaches while we were abroad in Ireland um, and just kind of worked out my journey for the next year. Uh, I was supposed to go the, the following year, but I had some knee surgery I had to get. Um, but I went the 2018-2019 season, and it was, like, the funnest, the funnest thing I've ever done. Like, I remember telling my employer, like, I'm going to go. I don't care if I'm paid, if I'm not paid, if I'm let go, I'm going to go. Um, luckily, I was paid and I worked remote, <laughs> so best of both worlds. But uh, yeah, the competition there was was high, it was consistent. The games were competitive, so you have eight to nine games in the fall, eight to nine games in the spring, um, where you have a lot of contact, a lot of integration with other you know, international players. So playing against England women, and there's a lot of women that come from Scotland, Ireland, some from Spain, some from Italy, some from France. So you really get this understanding of like the like a mix of internationals similar to like what is starting to happen in, M in the MLR uh, and it, it just becomes a normal for you I guess to be in that atmosphere play against those women um, so for me the competition was amazing but then it also reminded me that we're all just normal players um, trying to play rugby at our, to our best ability but um, yeah for me like that was that was the jump in my rugby career um, I wish like I wish we could go back now, but obviously COVID has the best of everything. Um, but yeah, and, and here I am, like with Alicia, 13 caps. I, I mean, it'll, when I started playing rugby, I did not tell myself, man, I can't wait to raise money for the national rugby team when I go there. Yeah, <laughs> the best. yeah who would have thought, It wasn't right? the plan at all. It wasn't the plan. <laughs> well, yeah. here we are. No, here we're, we are. Yeah. We're doing it. We're doing oh, it. Awesome. It's amazing. And it's a testament to the character of both of you, I think, to, to see you both go above and beyond. And, and we'll get into um, that part of, of what you're doing currently in a moment. But uh, you both spoke about that, that uh, step up or uh, to international rugby being really significant. And that probably goes hand in hand with the pathway to the women's national team. And how sort of disjointed that's been in the past. What does that currently look like? Is that pathway getting better? Has WPL helped that? What, what does it actually look like? How do uh, the USA Rugby's um, players get to the national game? 
Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of getting better, I think it's definitely there's more clarity in it. Um, like, uh, like I said, I mentioned I coach um, quite a bit, coach high school, I coach college, and like so, some of my players ask me like, hey, like, what would I like? What's the what's the you know the pathway? Like, what's the journey to um, be in the USA? Like, a few years ago, I couldn't really answer them. I was like, well, maybe email this coach or maybe email this coach. Um, but now uh, that we do have a full time coach, which like you know, was way overdue. Um, it's a lot easier to, to say like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get you in touch with this coach or um, here you can go to this camp or um, they publish the dates that our coach Rob Kane will be in different cities. So it can be like, okay, um, if you can go train with this team for that um, time or like, you know, it just gives you a better idea of, of how to get involved. Um, and like, you know, the access to our games, whether it's on YouTube, um, is so much. It's just so much more accessible, so they could see how we play. Like leading into um, twenty, like right after twenty fourteen um, World Cup, where you would think that the World Cup games would be like, you know, all over YouTube or all over anywhere, just to see how the style of the team plays. Like it was really hard to get a hold of any of the games. So now they're a bit more accessible, um, and like they have the like the coaches, the players, the staff, like on the website, which before was not really a thing. It's like, well, who's on the team? Like who's in the pool? Who's in the inner circle? And now that they've invested more in us, you can see like, okay, these players are in the pool. You can contact them. Like um, even I think, even on Yosori's website, it has like our Instagram. So, you know, we might get a lot of DMs about like, hey, like can I have some tips or can I have this, that or the other? Um, which makes us a lot more accessible. So I think if the players and the staff are more accessible, that makes the team as a whole for whoever to get up to a lot more accessible. So it's definitely headed in the right direction. Um, I mean, obviously not perfect because like we have one full-time coach, but it would be nice to have full-time coaches throughout the entire pathway. So for all Americans, um, for U20s, like all that sort of stuff would be, you know, a lot better, but it's headed in the right direction, I believe. Nice. I, I know... I thought it was awesome seeing Rob Kane and Ian Jones traveling around the States and providing all these different pockets of opportunity. Um, and it they was were on the road for a while. They, they were, they're making a lot of, a lot of stops, a lot yes. of hotels, um, just to honestly make sure that they saw everyone in, in the close pool, everyone in the extended pool and even got their eyes on new players. So it, it allows for a lot of expo exposure, even for us, you know, Seattle rugby, we're not in the WPL. We play in the BCRU in Canada. So unless the coach comes here or we go back in the USA division one or say we joined WPL or who knows what would happen. Um, yeah. We don't really get exposure to national team coaches or, or, or just that national team level of, um, of like an elite training session. So when he came here, I think that gave more players confidence that it would, they would be seen yeah. and don't necessarily have to leave Washington state to, to play for a WPL team. Yeah, it's a great competition, by the way. I've, I've seen a, a fair few games. Um, the Saracens, as they were formerly known, now Seattle Rugby, as you pointed out. Uh, that's a great competition up there in BC. Um, yeah, a lot of games. Uh, similar schedule to the UK. You know, we get like 15, 16 games. They just restructured it based on international. So our competitive season is now in the spring. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad if you're okay for a three-hour drive to Canada. To Canada and back in a day to get some pretty high, high level uh, rugby against some other, you know, Canadian internationals. So it's not a bad time. Yeah, and occasionally a theory to get to Vancouver Island as well. Those days are much longer. <laughs> yeah. 
I have five and a half hours, but you, yeah, you're up four in the morning, but you get an hour and a half on a ferry in the Pacific, which is an amazing commute to go play rugby. Yeah, what an amazing thing to yeah. do with your teammates. It's unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. And Alicia, I, uh, I know that watching the summer series, uh, at least, was it called the summer series down in San Diego? The Super Series? Super Series, yes. It was such an amazing, like, it was very entertaining, the product. The rugby was really good. Um, there was a bunch of new collegiate, and it's probably, while I say collegiate and touch on that topic, there are 20 varsity pro programs, uh, women's rugby programs across America. And to me, that's just, what an opportunity that is. It's awesome to have 20, you know, pretty high quality programs, some more than others, but you could really see those collegiate players beginning to seep into the team. And um, tell us a little bit about, about that time down in San Diego. Yeah, well, I mean, when I hear, like, about the collegiate programs and all that, like, I am, like, admittedly so jealous of what they have now. Um, and, I, like, I like I started playing college as, you know, like a 17-year-old freshman just looking to make some friends. And, you know, you, you'd show up and, like, it, it, our practices were, like, we had one coach for, like, 50 players, right? And which, like, you know, he did his best. But yeah. like what they have now, like when I um, when I ref Harvard and Dartmouth and Brown um, and uh, Quinnipiac and AIC, and I'm I'm looking at these programs, I'm like, I wish like you know I could reverse time and um, be ten years younger and be in these programs, and because they have so much. Like I don't want to sound like like oh these young whippersnappers don't even know what they have, but it's like they like. You know the fact they that they know have, it, like, they know it like 15 right like at 15 they're like i want a scholarship to this, to this school which is yeah. insane to, yeah. to think about rugby women's rugby yeah and I, I i coach high school i tell my players all the time like like please don't take for granted in their varsity program they have lifting times they have um like uh i mean i'm not a full-time coach there but we have four coaches for them you know and it's just like things that i could have never imagined what they have so yeah, I'm very jealous of the youth and everyone. Um, I guess that that's the whole point of like the ethos of the XV is like Christine and I know we will have these jobs long after we're done playing. So mm -hmm. it's a point of like, uh, quote, like plant seeds for trees that you will never sit under. Um, and you know, like what we hope to have, we will never really truly benefit from the way that the players in college now will benefit from in like eight to 10 years from now. So like the jealousy is really never ending. The <laughs> um, Super Series <laughs> was a really cool experience um, to be able to host, you know, the top five teams in the world and have them, like, you know. You just asterisk that top five teams in the world in San Diego. Yes. Like, it was absolutely amazing. I wish it got mo more exposure. Because you imagine if you had the top five men's teams in the world in San would Diego. Never, would never happen. Would never happen. It would never happen. How no. bizarre is that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there was yeah, we, we would have had a stadium. We would have had, you know, <laughs> wow. I'm not sure how candid you want us to be, but it was pretty cool, uh, <laughs> and definitely an amazing, amazing experience. Um, but yeah, it's just just to see the amount of talent there, and even like, like, like I'm absolutely still fangirling over like the teams. We, we would be like, you know, four or the or, or the five teams in the dining hall. And you would like walk by these players that I have seen playing since I was in college. Like when I look at uh, like like Emily Scarrett that was just there, or um, 
I mean, any, any of the French players that I like, I love their style of play. It was like the coolest thing to just be like grabbing my food next to them and acting like, oh yeah, it's, everything's cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I follow you on Instagram. Like you are so cool. <laughs> but you become yeah, friends with them too. So it's like an atmosphere yeah. of just normality, I guess, where you just hang out and then you go to your respective teams, you train, you play against each other and then you get together, you kind of have a few words and hang out again. I don't know. It, it was, it was very, uh, I don't know, friendly, like, yeah, at different parts, obviously the competition was very high and at, at times, you know, super competitive, pretty aggressive. Um, but I think super serious was the first time I settled into like, Oh, these are also my friends. I'm not just like looking at them across the table, like, super ex but i'm also like internally super excited to play them and i'm also i also want to catch up with them and see how their life is <laughs> <laughs> yeah not sure if the men's side of the game is no. the same with that at all yeah but it's like it's almost as if you're like um you're really chill with everyone after you play them but before yeah. you play them it's like no smiles like very yeah. serious and then after playing them like oh hey sis like like yeah. give a hug and then like you know then you can sort of be who you naturally are around them. You're like, hey, I played you once, like it's not gonna happen again. Now, and also like, we're like, like, we're stepping up to like the senior roles, like senior players now after 2017. So now yeah. part of me, it's, it's like being the older person on like a Div 2, Div 1 club. Like you, you go and make the introductions, you make sure people are talking. And now that's our role. Um, to be a bit more invested in just not our our team but other teams and make sure there's connection so yeah yeah I don't know and that, that is a hard transition like being like like 2015 and you know yeah, 2015 2016 like even heading the last world cup it's like if it's your first world cup there's sort of like an unspoken you're allowed to be you know a bit naive and um like like the kid on the team but now that that generation has retired and Christine and I are the one who are like knocking on 30's door. It's sort of like we are the elders and we have to like sort of set the tone a little bit. And like your coaches have pulled at least me aside and said, like, so yeah, you're one of the veterans on this team now. So like this training will go as well as you want it to go. Yeah. And I was like, like With me? the tone, right? Like, yeah. No one else is telling us to train harder. It's now it has to come out of us. Yeah, exactly. The expectation yeah. comes from us. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we're like last time around, it was like, you know, the the Kimbers, the Shabbats, the Jenny Lou's who were like setting that tone for everyone. And now it's like, if it's not us, then it's it's no one. So it's like a lot of felt that super series too, because that was the first time we've seen most of the transition, new players mm -hmm. in, other players out. Um, I think there was one time we looked at each other like, this is up to us. We have to <laughs> say something in this instance or that. Um, it was really a lock mindset, I think. Yeah. <laughs> together <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Probably, and there's probably more expectation in a, in a not a minnow um, nation anymore but for a country like USA rugby um, there's more more onus on the players to go above and beyond than they would have to in a you know well-versed nation like New Zealand or England where there are structures in place whereas obviously you know and we'll get into the, I, it was an amazing opportunity down at with Super Series but that's essentially what you guys are trying to do is to to find resources to allow for more high quality training environments and training opportunities and development opportunities for the girls. 
uh, is essentially what you guys are trying to do. But just before we get into that, um, I, I had a blunder before and called it the summer series, and that probably um, is, is a good talking point um, as to the misconceptions that exist with the women's game. And there's a lot of things that I don't know, so I'd like to open it up to you guys to talk about those misconceptions that do exist within the women's game and, and what can we do better uh, and what do we need to, what do we need to know um, about the women's game? Very broad, very broad. Where do we start? I mean, it's interesting, right? Because like going back to the Super Series, top five teams in the world. I don't think that the the level of exposure, the level of communication that goes around top five teams in the world um, was there. I mean, I, I mean, I could have told a club player at Seattle unless she saw something on social, maybe one post from somebody like, hey, top five teams in the world are playing. Oh, okay. Send me the link. I'll watch them. <laughs> like the, the level of excitement um, is, is, is something that I think we have to remind people of um, as opposed to, you know, say the men's game. So I think I, that, that, that trickles down to many aspects of our game uh, and training sessions and just us, Alicia and I as XV learning about different parts of the national game and and how things are portrayed a bit different, whether it's the women's or the men's game. Um, I don't know. I don't know how like invested we want to go in this topic. What do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, I think like one thing that I think you were, like you were just saying was that I think a massive misconception is in America is you can grow a sport by promoting men alone. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that will, I mean, that, that's not gonna happen. Like I truly believe, and like this is, you know, part of what I've learned coming up through sports. Like I said, I have a master's in sport management and all that. Like um, my undergrad is in psychology. So I took a lot of sociology, um, psychology courses and whatnot. Like women carry culture to their children and to their families in a way that men just don't. Um, so it's sort of like, if, if you don't have the women coming in to build that culture where they bring their whole families and they bring their kids and all that, then like, like a man might go and go to a game with his friends, but yeah. a woman will bring the entire family. And that yeah. notion that you can grow a sport without the women and without treating women equally, um, is, is not going to happen. Like it's, it's, it, that's, that's a farce. Um, and I think it's really important that uh, that trickles down so many different things like Christine was saying, like the marketing. Like I remember we were, I think it might have been either Can-Ams or Super Series, maybe Can-Ams a few years ago, but we were hosting it in a few weeks time. And I got an email from someone from USA Rugby and their email had a flyer for the rugby weekend happening in November. And I was like, but, but we're hosting this in like, you know, a month and a half. Like, why, why is that flyer not of us? You know, like ours is sooner. Like you have like after Super Series end, you have August, September, October, leading into November to sell those tickets. Mm -hmm. So why is the focus right now on the men's team, you know? And like things like that where like might not seem major, they really add up. It's like a woman's sports kind of suffer from like a death of a thousand paper cuts. It's like, 
Okay, so if you're not having your marketing team do that, then what's your sponsorship team doing? Um, what's your CFO doing? Like, how are these people internally supporting us if you can't have a flyer in your email that shows what we're doing in six weeks' time? And, and so that's this, what we've learned, right? Like, through all of this, like, yeah. becoming invested in XP Foundation really gets you behind the scenes on many different aspects of international rugby. Um, I think the first time I saw it, both teams marketed equally, although their the pay gap is quite large, was with at, at Quinn's, um, mostly just around the stadium. It's a banner with a woman and a man. It's not separated, they're both together, or a long banner across the stadium, woman, man, woman, man. Maybe there's two more women than there are, than there are men. Um, and that was just very normal, just to see. So you knew that both were distributed the same way even though you know, Lena Harlequins, yeah, maybe most people just go there for the men's team. But when you went there, say if your son went there to see the men's game, they see an affiliation with women, women's rugby. Like that exists, it's in your face. Um, and I feel like we're, we're kind of pulling for it right now in the States um, and trying to make it more apparent that we just need more financial backing. We need more marketing support. We need more commercial support for us to grow and, and, like Alicia said, the expectation on just growing organically um, it is hard. I mean, think if you're in an investment company or some sort of sales company. Ideally, you go to the bank, you ask for a loan, or you try to get some capital somewhere so you can build within and then create a product that uh, you know is, exists or can replicate certain aspects to draw more of the community. So we're trying to get more support internally so we can create a substantial product. And right now, doing that organically is, is mostly just us, you know, training by ourselves, trying to get together on Zoom, um, hoping that we get enough finances to, to have some sort of, um, you know, training session in 2019, late, sorry, late 2020, if, if anything, early 2021, we have a big year next year with um, Rugby World Cup. So considering also you, we came up out of 2017 as fourth place winners, literally, a small, was it three points from being a third place medalist um, to now 2021. Um, I just think the trajectory of where we should have been compared to where, say the men's team would have been if they were coming off fourth going into third is, is very different. Having a full-time coach advocate for us is amazing, but now we're also having to, we're also having to advocate for him um, and different parts of our, our, our minimal staff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely different. And it goes back to your point, Tom, like how much we have to do as players to keep a platform, to keep us like in existence yeah. as opposed to just being players. And the one comment I always get is like, oh man, you guys had to do XP Foundation. That sucks so bad. Um, you, you guys should just be playing. And it's like, yeah, I agree. But we, <laughs> we've dealt with these financial conversations for years, ever since I've been in the pool. Um, and no one's really done anything about it to make it better. Yeah. So here we are. So Alicia and I are trying to make it better. So unless someone else, I guess, you know, to be transparent, unless someone else is going to make it better for us, we're going to make it better for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that's the we're best like, avenue we have right now. Yeah. We like, I come from, you know, just growing up, like if you're going to present a problem, then you better be the chairperson of the committee that's working to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess like two other just quick misconceptions is everyone that we've said like, oh, well, I'm not going to donate because I have to sip for USRB so that my sip dues are your donation. I'm like, no, 
SIFTUs do not, cannot, have never gone to high performance. Um, so everything we get is from philanthropy, which is what we're doing in commercial. Um, and then it's like, well, like you guys get per diems, like what more could you want? And it's like, those are actually never guaranteed. Um, last time we got them was uh, 2018. And even what we got, um, like, I mean, it's just factual. So I'll say like the men leading into their last World Cup got originally $100 a day, like through training and the World Cup. Um, and then they got up to 110 a day, I believe. And then um, us for World Cup for our entire training, I don't think we got anything, right, Christine? We didn't yeah. get per diems, and then we didn't get anything um, until uh, the World Cup, which is when we got, I think, 55 or uh, 60. Yeah, $55 or $60 a day. So, you know, it's like we, like, it, it's just factual. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be shady, but we got fourth place. Um, we won two of our pool games. Uh, you know, we had the best showing in 20 years, and we're not even getting half of what the men's team got. It, it just. But we didn't, know. we didn't know that either. I, like, no. I think when we were getting paid, we were like, man, we got paychecks. Everyone has money in their bank. Yeah. yeah. We, we got a, a bonus after, which was a small bonus, and everyone was extremely excited and surprised. Um, but we also got, we got something. that bonus taken out <laughs> yeah. to fund budget shortfalls in the union. So I'm like, has it ever been an issue on the men's side that they get their bonuses cut to supplement the the union so us rugby's shortages i don't i don't believe it's ever happened but yeah. ours it took us like you know quite some time to get any bonus that we've ever gotten and they had to cut it in pieces because us rugby the budgeting there wasn't working out and we're like well thanks but this is also very problematic <laughs> those are things that we found out in the last six months <laughs> yeah so there's obviously uh it's, it's sort of like it comes back to what could happen with you know as well as you guys are going imagine what could happen with a bit more investment and um with a bit more diligence and it's amazing that you guys are uh, acknowledging that there is an issue but instead of just being like this isn't right being like right i'm gonna fix this we're gonna just take it upon ourselves to do the best we can to fix it and i, and I I um, commend you guys on that. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I guess now we've got infrastructure with 13 professional rugby franchises, which is only going to do great things for the game. Well, it should do within the States. And and I know our, our view is that every franchise should be seeping into the grassroots and doing their part to develop the game and provide opportunities for, for girls and boys of all ages to develop. And now we've got 20 varsity programs and, and things are heading in a better direction, it seems to me. Um, although, like you mentioned, there are all these things that are probably far above my um, position on the food chain that need to be addressed. Um, but that leads in quite well to the to the XV Foundation. And, and if you guys can now use this opportunity to tell us a bit about it, what is it? What's the purpose? What are the objectives? And I know we've sort of touched on some of that stuff, but how can we help? How can people help? people that are watching this, what can they do to support the XV Foundation? Yeah, where to start? Um, Another so, broad one. <laughs> so I guess the uh, uh, inception of it all was um, our high performance manager, Emily Bidewell, uh, came to the team while we were on tour in November um, for the Can-Ams, and was just like, hey guys, like the budget situation for next year, 
um, does not look great. And um, Emily has been one of my heroes since I was in college. Um, uh, my first rugby game was actually against Brown University where she attended. Um, and like since then, she watched her on Seventh Circuit, 15s, like one of my heroes. So to see her be like, you know, distraught and like upset about what the situation was for the team next year, I was like, well, we have to do something. Like there's no way around it. Like my hero is upset, I have to help. Um, and so uh, Christine and I just like sort of hit the ground running. We'll finish the tour, focus on that. Um, hit the ground running when we got back home and we're saying like, okay, well, what can we do? Like um, that's when we had our first call with Alex Magleby, um, Mags to see sort of what the model was on the Golden Eagle side. Um, I learned a little bit um, about that and then talked to um, the alums and like, sort of the veterans of the women's program. And then we sort of came up with the uh, XV or 15s foundation because um, we really didn't want it to, uh, we wanted it to be inclusive. So like, like I said, because um, my belief is that it's like, we don't play women's rugby, we just play rugby. We don't play women's 15s, we just play 15s. So 15s foundation is really where that came from. Um, and yeah, we, we were like, okay, we need to raise money. Like, what do we need to raise? And originally we needed uh, 350K. Um, that was our goal. And before everything shut down, we were about a third of the way there, which um, seeing as that was March and we had raised 100K, we were in a really good position. Um, and so now we are uh, sort of changing that mission to support what we have for the rest of the year. So I think uh, we only need to raise about 100, 150 to make sure the players have everything that they need for the rest of the year. Um, and then uh, also support um, the training camps hopefully happening in the fall and then if any sort of competition happens in November. And we have almost like, not switched, but added a new part of our, to our mission statement. So before it was, you know, raising diversified funds, make the team more sustainable, but now we've added an advocacy um, because we've realized that, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And um, that was really the case within a lot of the meetings. Like, uh, if, you know, if Women's 15s was not at the table, then we'd be the first one to get shafted on a lot of things. And so now we are truly being advocates. I think Christine will probably talk about more about her IA role that she has now, which we're very proud of her uh, for hopping on the council. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, going back to, gosh, me at like 20, I had no idea what, I would have this much responsibility within the union or women's rugby or international rugby. How insane. I was thinking of that last night, like, like what made that transition? I don't know. I think as soon as Alicia and I had those conversations where we knew we were like, this was going to be a long-term investment for us um, financially and personally with our, uh, our relationships, our family. Um, I think that's when I was like, for, for those other roles, like the IA role, or I'm also in the Rugby Players Association um, as a 15s rep, it was just like, why not me? Why not put my hand up, learn more, get more invested, like we should get a seat at the table, um, have those conversations, have those tough communication with, with the groups that don't discuss women, women's rugby as much and make it sign more of like a forefront conversation as opposed to like a backseat. Um, these are the issues we have now, we need to address them. So, yeah, I mean, luckily I, I was voted to be an at-large 15s rep um, with, under the International Athlete Council, which is, which is wild. I put together a rugby resume and a cover letter and here we are. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's quite, 
insane it's but it's also absolutely amazing and kind of surreal how much we've been able to do like alicia said i mean in the beginning we just wanted to cover the cost of the players like the accommodations the flights make sure we received adequate per diems or something that was consistent you knew money was going to come in the door if you stepped away from your part-time job for three weeks to say go to the super series so that was our intention um now we're actually funding more of our high performance program before we support the players so that is a transition that's happened uh in the last you know four to five months with covid with issues with bankruptcy um so we're actually supporting our 15th national team a lot more than we thought we were in the beginning um but the outcome that we're seeing as far as support from the rugby community or just people at the at-large community see like the mags is tenfold like I think all we needed to do was provide the opportunity for people to support and for people to buy into the players. And as soon as we did that, the return was amazing. Like some of the conversations Alicia and I had, I don't know, a month in, two months in were surreal. Like <laughs> I think we saw each other. She, she, she lives in Connecticut. I'm in Seattle. We saw each other once a month, almost twice a month without rugby, like yeah. just to make this happen and get off the ground. Um, Another like talking on the phone every day. Every day. day. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think when people think of us as just another entity that exists with all the other women's programs that are out there, I think we have to remember that you know we we could be the women's how, quote unquote golden eagles that exist. I don't know how our trajectory is going to go after world cup i maybe there's a huge transition in usa rugby and with the restructuring the women's 15s come comes back absolutely strong there's and there and there's parity with funding there's there's kind of a sustainable financial agreement with the programs i don't know um and then we just focus on the pathway i don't really know what happens for us after this but the last seven months have been absolutely amazing um and like Alicia said, if COVID didn't happen, we would have, I bet you we would have hit our goal. It would have been at 350 right now, for sure. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. In terms of like what the community can do, like I'm really looking forward um, to the MLR supporting uh, women's side um, and not calling it the WMLR, um, <laughs> but just the MLR. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, not really having like a, a detrimental, detrimental distinction there. Um, I think people can follow us, uh, they can support our events. We have um, some exciting stuff coming up for the fall. Um, and, you know, they can buy tickets, like they can show up. And, you know, something that's pretty common within women's sports is that even if you can't show up, you still buy a ticket to show that you are supporting um, what it is there. And, you know, that revenue goes back to the union, goes back to the team. Um, so really just like, you know, everyone put your money where your mouth is. Like, and I think, um, like we are hoping that our trajectory is that of the next coming of the women's soccer team for the U.S. Um, you know, we're, we're really on the way up and our investment is there. And, um, you know, we've shown that we are outperforming, um, you know, if we're going to use the men as a standard, like we said, like fourth last time. So we're really hoping that, you know, we're not going to need to go to like the lengths of like the lawsuits that they went through, but use them as examples. Like, do you really want to show the world that you don't value women. I think that's what they've really done a good job doing that. Yeah, nice. And, 
it's probably you touched on a good point that now it's accessible and easy to do so like a couple of quick looks at the website and it's really easy to see where the money's exactly going to go and you can sponsor a play you can sponsor a flight uh, and I think that's awesome it's given the opportunity and if we can bring more awareness to that platform then that's going to be that's going to be awesome and, and before we get into the quickfire section just you touched on the relationship with the MLR which apparently has been very positive so far which is amazing to hear obviously Mags is a massive proponent of rugby in general and and parody and and he's certainly 100% behind you guys but September 18th the event you touched on if you just want to elaborate on that a little bit as to what that is and and how we can sign up and and whatever else uh yeah we're having a virtual event which is exciting on Woo! September 18th it is a building the champion mindset theme so we have two panels, a world champion panels with some really big names and an aspiring uh, panel with current 15s players. We have a silent auction. We have some sponsors. Uh, one of the sponsors being the MLR, which is huge. Um, and it's, it's honestly just going to be a really good event that's talking about, you know, big aspects in the international game, how certain champions did what they did with also kind of a, a laid back open conversation feel. Um, the event will actually go live on August 3rd. So that's when you'll see all the marketing material and information on our newsletter and everyone else that we asked to kind of support us on a social platform. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of work for Alicia and I the last, I don't know, month and a half to see if we could even if we could even accomplish it. Um, and now that we've had a lot of people step up and volunteer their time, it's it's happening. So it's quite exciting. Yeah. Yes. Snaps on snaps on snaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well done. Very well done. Um, I know the Free Jacks will definitely be there and anything we can do to help support that event, we'll connect after this and, and make sure that we're doing our part. Um, so yeah. yeah, very well done. I'm excited. I look forward to the event. Um, and finally, our quick fire section. Um, before we wrap up, uh, a couple tricky ones in here, but one thing you're doing to make the world a better place right now, uh, I can think of one thing immediately. <laughs> that was spoken <laughs> a fair bit about, but well, what are your thoughts on that? Um, one thing we did as an organization to make the world look better um, is for every donor we got in April, we sent a mask to um, one of our teammates' hospital. She's a nurse. Um, so we sent about, uh, we had 20 new donors, we sent, sent 20 masks um, to the hospital, and she's in the pediatric unit, so a lot of the families that need to come in um, to wear masks, they've been wearing our XV masks as well as the nurses and all that, so we're super excited about that. Phenomenal, yes. well done. <laughs> Handmade, and took forever. Handmade. <laughs> Handmade too. Nice. God, it was, I, I, I don't know what I what I thought I was volunteering for when we posted that, but like, you know, by mass 10, I'm like, okay, it's for, it's, it's for a hospital. Like I'm healthy. I am able, I'm going to do this. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was huge for sure. I think Alicia doing that and doing all that labor was surreal. Um, I mean, I wish I could help out, but I don't do any sewing. Uh, here I've just helped out deliver food to Seattle Children's Hospital through Seattle Rugby. So that has been my latest effort to make the to make the world bit a bit better. Amazing, fantastic! I love keeping up to date with what Seattle Rugby do, and it's, it always seems to be top notch. So credit to to those behind it. Kelly McKinnon, little shout out to all the good stuff she does up there. Um, good group. Great group. Next one, favorite free jack, and why we can we can shake that away into favorite 15s athlete, if if you wish. 
or both? Oh God. Um, uh, what my favorite free Jack is someone that played for both Hartford Wanderers and um, New Haven, which is the club my wife plays for. Uh, I don't want to butcher his last name. Pex Ranikama. Yeah. Um, Nelly Ranikama. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, any Connecticut native, like it's so small here that anyone else that's playing rugby and living out their dream and has a wicked, wicked step that I've seen live, and I'm like, how does he do that? Um, I think definitely super impressive. Nice, great choice. And Christine, I'm gonna go 15s player for US and go, um, Nick Civetta. Yeah, I'm always wrong if I say I'm, I'm always bad about last names, but um, <laughs> he's helped us so much. Like he's also a, a tremendous player and also a, a you know a lock with us. But um, second rows, Diva la France. Hope he's doing okay in France. Uh, but he's been extremely supportive to our X Foundation journey um, as a men's player. So that is it really speaks volumes. So he's my shout out. Yeah, yeah I know Nick is. Uh, a driving force behind the USRPA um, and I was really impressed with Nick and the, obviously he dislocated his ankle against Canada in the warm-ups of the Rugby World Cup and I've never seen anyone rehab as hard as Nick did to get back on the field yeah. uh, and I'm sure if he goes about the rest of his life like he did that rehab then uh, he's going to do incredibly well. Um, I also hear he's looking for a club next year so Nick if you're watching this mate we could, we could do with a lot so <laughs> <laughs> We'll make sure he watches. Yeah. Good stuff. And then the final one is just uh, every guest we bring on to the, to the Pathways podcast, we get them to pick a stadium song for um, Union Point Stadium. Um, so if you guys have a, a favourite pregame song that you'd like to get blaring on the speakers there, now's your time. Um, first song that comes to mind is the national anthem so that we know when you're hosting a USA women's game that should be the pre-game for every game really so <laughs> fantastic mags all there mate let's get that game to happen Canada USA some point next year sounds good Ooh. to me absolutely cool or anything by Drake <laughs> if that's the direction you're going for that's my pump up usually like Drake radio on Spotify yeah, I could, I could, I could jump on that for sure. Add a little like Beyonce twist. I feel like that's pretty much what we play when we're in our in our changing rooms. Yeah, yeah. I can Beyonce. I like yeah. it. <laughs> awesome. All right, we'll be sure to throw a couple by those uh, respective artists in. And guys, thank you so much. I mean, you you both work about thirteen jobs. You're on three. What? You're on a couple different councils, and you're driving the XP Foundation. It's incredible. I know that the projects are going to get 100% behind it and we can't wait for the event on the 18th of September everyone if you're listening make sure you sign up um, but guys thanks so much for making this happen it's been a pleasure to speak to you both and I look forward to our continued relationship moving forward hey thanks so much for having us on this is absolutely incredible to get us in front of a different audience so we really appreciate it and you know wish you the best of luck whenever we can all play again 100% like thanks for all the support and and just backing of the women's game so we, we highly appreciate it. And thanks for letting us tell you our story. Of course. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. It's the top. It's still going. Flick it field. It's champagne.
Let's ride!